The following podcast contains coarse language, sensitive subjects, and will expand your mind. Listener discretion is advised. Being driven by curiosity can lead you down many roads. It's the inquisitive interest of others, religion, science, and of course, the unknown. But how can we gauge when our curiosity has taken us too far? Is it when it leads us to situations we can't reverse, we get caught red-handed, or even worse, we find ourselves in grave danger? As the saying goes, curiosity killed the cat. So essentially, if you continue on a curious path, you may end up dead. But these fearful rules don't apply to all, and curiosity may lead to more than trouble. It can lead to answers. So I'd like to think perhaps the cat found exactly what it was looking for. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. you're often faced with a question. What are you going to be when you grow up? And a ghost hunter is most likely absent from that list of answers. Glenn and Wendy Laycock joined us in episode two, sharing stories of their ghosts in their current home. But they've taken their own experiences to a professional level to help other people that find themselves with ghostly occupants. They're paranormal investigators. And these are some of their stories. After the experience in our home, we really realized that uh, when we first started to have things happen to us, we didn't have anybody to talk to. We wanted to be there for other people so that someone else could have someone to turn to. We just wanted to be able to be there for other people so that we could say, you know what, we don't think you're crazy and we'll help you get to the bottom of it. If it's if it's paranormal, we'll get you some evidence. If it's not, we'll find, a, we'll find out what's causing issues. There are people in the paranormal field where everything is haunted. No matter what, it's always haunted. And we go into it with the attitude of, no, it's not haunted unless we find some evidence that we cannot explain. Then we could say, okay, there's something here. And even at that, we don't say it's haunted. We say, here's what we found. We wanted to help people understand that, like it could be paranormal. It could be, could be your furnace. And people feel better that you tell them the truth. Ghost hunters aren't just looking for ghosts. They're looking for answers. With any evidence that we find, we've got a bit of a slogan, when in doubt, you throw it out. You really have to go in this with the attitude of things are not haunted until you're proven wrong. Once we decided that we were going to do this, not as a, as a job, but as, as, I guess you could say a hobby, but also as a way to help people, one of the first things we did was have to gear up. You can't, you know, I mean, some of the equipment we use, we make ourselves. Some of it is things you would never think of using for a ghost investigation or a paranormal investigation that you that you adapt to it. And um, 
So we, you know, we, we dealt, we started dealing with recorders, infrared video cameras. Uh, uh, there's actually a couple of places down in the U.S. that actually sell equipment, that the same equipment you see on TV that we contacted and we were able to purchase some equipment. There are some key equipment and terms that are heavily used in the world of ghost hunting. EVP is Electronic Voice Phenomenon. It's an electronic recording of a spirit voice. They're often single words or sentences. They can be captured through handheld voice recorders or through a spirit box. A spirit box is an audio-only device that rapidly scans through multiple audio channels, creating a white noise. It is said to make it relevantly easy for a ghost to manipulate and say words or phrases in real time. EMF, electric magnetic fields, are invisible areas of energy. Ghosts are also thought to emit EMF or disturb existing magnetic fields in a room. And an EMF reader, or K2, will pick up on those areas. And it is theorized that high EMF readings mean that there is a spirit present. Sounds pretty fun. So once they were all geared up, Glenn and Wendy were asked to conduct their first paranormal investigation for a family that had occurrences happening in their home. We put the word out there and we were contacted. Basically, it was a family that had sold their home. They had horrible experiences the entire time that they were living there. And they wanted some validation that they weren't crazy before they left. We, we went, we had our first investigation. It was, it was down near Toronto, got there, and they, we had a bit of a sit-down meeting with them. And one of the first things that they said was when they took possession of the house, the former owners were leaving when they were walking up the driveway. And the wife leaned over to them as they were walking by and said, have fun with the ghost. Uh, so we went in and we have a device, um, it's called a K2. And what it does, it picks up electromagnetic fields. So when we sat down for their interview, I turned on my K2 and it, it, it went red line and stayed there the entire time I was in the house. It was, it was over the top. EMF in your house should be around zero to one, maybe. We were getting a reading in the house of 140, which is the equivalent of living your entire life beside your microwave while it's running. That can cause you to have hallucinations. It can cause you to feel a sense of uh, panic. The other line of thought is that it also can be used as an energy source for something that is uh, paranormal to, to draw from. We started to set up our equipment. While we were setting up our equipment, we had a camera sitting on a table on a tripod and we heard a crash. And our camera was about six feet across the room. Um, it had been something had tossed it, not slid off the table, but it actually had been tossed. And it was running at the time, so we were able to play it back later. We found that the camera did a 180-degree turn by itself and then popped straight up in the air and landed on the floor across the room. They had brought in a woman who, who was, said she was psychic, and she said, oh, there's a portal in your kitchen. And I have a recording of me standing in the kitchen saying, I hear there's a portal in the kitchen. How about what would you think if I walked through it? And right away, a voice came back and went, portal. And we recorded that. And that was cool. <laughs> to me, that was amazing. 
Okay, I'm walking right through your portal right now. What do you think of that? One one of the things that we found was uh, in the son's their, their teenage son's bedroom. Um, we pointed a thermal camera at his bed, and we would watch not a cold patch but a warm patch would show up on his bed, and it would get bigger and bigger and bigger until it was the size of a of a body. Then it would sit up, then it would just disappear, and it, again it was on a loop. It would just it would disappear, and then it would come back. It would it would get bigger and bigger. It would sit up, and then disappear, but just on the bed. walking around in the dark, pitch black, and all I could see was with through the viewfinder on my infrared camera, and I tripped. And the audio was actually quite humorous because you hear, you know, you hear me walking and then you hear boom, crash, boom, bang, crash. And then a voice cuts in and says, you fucked up. If you listen carefully, you can hear a voice saying, you fucked it up. And uh, that was uh, hilarious to me that uh, whoever whoever was there took some humor in the fact that I tripped in the dark. Glenn and Wendy also picked up an EVP of the homeowner's wife's name, followed by their son's name and a whole bunch of gibberish. Out of respect for the privacy of the family, I'm going to let you try and figure out what it's saying. We got a great EVP. Uh, was... We had asked, are you from here? They said, are you from here? And we got Donggi. I did, we did some checking up on that. Uh, that land used to be part of a local Ojibwe reserve that was sold off and a subdivision was built there. Some houses were built there. Uh, Donggi is a Jibbawe for the, the term I am here or I am uh, I am from. I'm looking for evidence. That to me is something that you go, okay, that's not a furnace sound. That's a man's, that's a deep voice that said that. We collected all the information, all of our recordings, and we had to sit down with them. And we said, okay, here you go. Here's what we found. It just validated to them that they're not crazy. Like they, they felt so much better. They moved. <laughs> they did move. They actually had, had the house was sold. They were they had moved, but they, at least they could say afterwards, okay, you know what? That entire time we lived there, all the things we experienced, th- there was nothing wrong with us. And that's sort of why we do it. That's why you want to do it, just so you could tell people, you know what? It's okay. We get it, and we're not going to judge you. One way that Wendy and I work well together as a team is I'm, I don't feel things. I don't feel entities around me to the point where I can say I, I'm, I'm picking up on something. I'm more into the practical aspect. If I, I, I want to record it. I want to videotape it. I want some kind of physical evidence. Whereas Wendy is more sensitive to, um, we've had uh, times where she's like, I, I feel like there's a woman here. And then all of a sudden, we've, we've got an EVP of a woman's voice. I just have different gut instincts, you might say. Soon after that, Glenn and Wendy were contacted to investigate their second location. 
we did a house and uh, it was a house um, that was up for sale and they contacted us because they said they had been on the market quite some time and agents would bring people to the house and they would people would walk in the front door and go no 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 because they were creeped out uh, so they said can you come in and see what you can find the sellers they were away for the weekend so they said that we could set up our equipment at night and we left the equipment in there overnight and there was noises and cupboard doors opening and people walking on the floors and there was no one there. We knew there was no one there. Glenn and Wendy were able to record footsteps coming from an empty house. There's an open well in their basement. And that gave me and my friend the creeps. So we we were downstairs and we just kept feeling like there was something running around us. Wendy and her fellow ghost hunter felt an energy spinning around the room, focusing on this open well. For some reason, we knew it was at the well. We knew it was supposed to be in the well. Wendy felt an energy shift in the room, and the two ghost hunters knew they had to send this energy back to where it came from and keep it there. We both were trying to make it go back in the well. So we were both thinking, okay, go back in the well, go back in the well, go back in the well. And it finally, it was like it went down there. And it went away, so we put a, we put wood over it. And it was that the room wasn't so dark. The room was really dark. But when it went in the well, felt like you could see. For me, I just said a little prayer saying, stay down there. But, it, but that's my way of coping with something strange, is to tell it to stay put. One, we have, one of the rules that we have is that when you're trying to get some kind of response, you're firm but respectful. And this was a rookie mistake that I made at the time. At first, we weren't getting much. And I was in one of the bedrooms. Um, and I said, I don't think you're here. Do something to prove me wrong because I don't believe you're here. And within a second or two, I jumped about a foot. And I had two claw marks, like deep, like cat scratches down my butt cheek. Ghost scratches often occur when you challenge a spirit's power or presence. One or two scratches have been reported, but when there's three, it's suspected to be demonic, as the symbol of three is the mocking of the Holy Trinity. And that was quite a shock, actually. And burn for over an hour. It just burnt. And, uh, of course, everybody's like, let's get a picture. And I said, well, you can take a picture, but we're not posting this on our social media. It ain't happening. <laughs> we also, we utilized a piece of equipment that's still a little bit on the experimental side with many paranormal groups where it's essentially it's a modified Kinect camera. And it works in infrared. 
And what it will do is if it picks up on a human shape, it will map it out like a stick figure. And we carried it into the bedroom and we got a stick figure lying on the bed. And as soon as we said, there you are, it just gone. It just took off off the bed. And we said, um, oh, sorry, did we scare you? And we got an audio response back that said, not too bad. They also picked up on a woman's voice. You can't really understand what she's saying, but it's still pretty creepy. After our investigation, we did what we typically do. We had to sit down with the owners of the home. We explained to them what happened. They were uh, able to get whatever was going on to leave. Shortly after that, the house sold. People were coming into the home, no problems, and the house sold very, very quickly right after that. So whether that was with our involvement, I would like to think so. I'm not going to say yes, but I would like to think that that was because we were able to help them out. We were invited to do another investigation uh, that was actually quite nearby where this residence was. Uh, this was still located on actual on native land. And, and of course, at first, we were setting our equipment up. We weren't really getting a lot, like on our K2 or on our spirit box, virtually nothing. So I said to them, can you try communicating in your, your native tongue? So they started to say some words in Ojibwe, and boom, right away. Our, our K2s just started going off. But then there was a connection that Glenn and Wendy didn't expect. She said, can we go outside? My brother, uh, a couple of years ago, he went outside to get firewood and he slipped and he banged his head and he actually froze to death in the wintertime, which is a horrible, sad story. So we went out to where he had passed away. We we, uh, we fired up the spirit box and we were saying, is there anyone there? Are you with us? And we were calling out and this very deep voice came back and said, Frida. There you are. Frida. Can you say, can you say that again? The lady standing beside me just started to have a fit. She goes, Frida, Frida. Oh my gosh, I heard Frida. And I, and I said to her, who's that? And she said, that's me. That's my name. And then we said, are you still here? Are you still here? Can you talk to us? Are you still there? Gunnar, say my name again. Um, then she said, Cooner, which we realized or she told us that was his nickname. She goes, Cooner, Coon, are you there? And a voice came back and went, Coon. Cooner, Cooner, are you here? Coon. He just said Coon back. Right 
And that was emotional for everybody involved because that's sort of a, a direct response back to some questions. It was a person's name that was with us. It was, that is amazing. I think what it did is it, it made them feel so much better too. Because um, they said, like, we hope you're, we, we miss you. We hope you're well and we love you. And then the K2 very gently just slowly petered off to nothing. After that emotional encounter, it was back to business for Glenn and Wendy when they were summoned by the mayor of their town to investigate their civic center. The mayor of our town invited us to come in and do an investigation of the civic center. Um, That's something that there's been some other paranormal teams have been trying to get into for years and we were the only ones that were actually ever invited in. So that was, we were very honored for that to happen. The Civic Center used to be a monastery before it was taken over uh, by the town and turned into uh, a government office. So uh, there are some artifacts that are still left over, some, some aspects that are still left over from when it was a monastery. All the offices upstairs used to be bedrooms for the monks that were there that were, that were training. The first team that we sent through, along with the mayor, uh, was all female. We thought, that'll get a response. And as they were going through, they were getting uh, responses like, stop, 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 go. Like down in the basement, uh, there was so much of that building that was still intact from from years ago. And in the basement, there was a, a small room where the monks used to, and the priests used to have to go to serve penance. We were sitting down there in the dark, pitch black, and we were saying, are you there? Is there anybody here with us? And this boom, like a huge weight slammed under the concrete floor around us. Uh, and we were able to record that. Hello? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Two of the workers from the Civic Center were sitting in the dark there with me, and I just started to laugh. I said, uh, is that uh, the sound that you normally hear down here? And she said, no, I don't think so. So while we were at the Civic Center, I decided I'd sit in the command center, as we call it. That's where all our equipment was. And so I was watching on the on the monitor just what was going on, and and we had had a a camera set outside the door to look down the hallway. It was on a tripod. So as I'm watching, all of a sudden I hear, bang! And one on the monitor, one of the cameras goes out. So I looked around the corner to see where the camera was, and it was on the floor. Something had knocked it right over. So that was... That was quite interesting. Of course, I called everyone and we all came running. That was the camera that, after we set it back up again, uh, not more than 10 minutes later, we heard another bang and it was it was knocked again. Uh, so there was something in that, that spot that it didn't really want to be filmed. Mm-hmm. One thing that we did capture was we were walking through and we did not have a spirit box going. We just had our our regular cameras and and hand recorders going. And we heard a very distinct voice of a man saying, the fire's out. And we did a bit of checking and um, it turned out there was a fire there years ago. 
we were also getting what we thought was just gibberish, just gibberish. And we were thinking, okay, what's going on with our equipment? We were, we were getting voices, words coming. We couldn't make any heads or tails of it until it was actually one of the workers that she suggested it. She goes, let me just Google some of these words. It turned out it was Latin. And that's the language that the monks and the priests were actually learning there. And when they translated the Latin words, those words were saying, stop, unholy, leave. But it was in Latin. That was interesting to us because, I mean, to get another language and a language that was, that's a basically a dead language that is actually being trained at this facility and it's telling us to leave in Latin, that to us was extremely interesting. There was two staff members that stayed with us the entire time. So we left, they were walking around, locking the building up. And just when they got to the door, one of the girls, she said she just jumped because she heard someone whisper in her ear, are you done yet? The mayor was very impressed. We did a, again, we did a sit down with the mayor. We showed her everything. And the look in her face when we would play different clips for her was, was, uh, was fantastic. The mayor had said to us that they were going to decommission that building because they were going to be building a new civic center. So she said to us, what, what do you advise? What do you think we should do? I'm not a religious person, but I said, I think it might be respectful just to do some sort of a ceremony, maybe bring in a, a Catholic priest because it was, it was a place for training uh, priests and monks. Maybe just do a ceremony when you're closing it down. Glenn and Wendy's next investigation involved something that wasn't as friendly. We were contacted uh, by some homeowners uh, that, that lived north of us. And they the reason they contacted us is they were terrified. Uh, something was attacking them while they were sleeping. And uh, to the point where she said that uh, something grabbed her by the ankle during the night and pulled her out of bed onto the floor. So they said, can you please come up and, and help us? We went up there and I did a pre-site before we did the actual investigation. I, I like to do that, just to sort of walk around and see what we're dealing with. I can get an idea where we can set equipment up. And we're walking around and she wasn't home. The husband was, was there. And while we were there, I turned on the spirit box and I was saying, is there anybody here with us? Is there anybody there? Is there anybody here with us? And after a pause, a voice, a very, very sinister voice came back and went, yes. yes. And I went, wow. Um, and then right after that, I said, uh, why are you bugging the, the this, this man's wife? And a voice came back and said, she's a bitch. And the husband, I remember the husband at the time, he just put his face in his hands and he said, oh, God, don't tell her that we heard that. We basically just said, you have to stop. We just kept saying, you have to stop harassing these people. And things pretty much calmed down after that. They just sort of settled down. Like, okay, someone, some, a stranger came in, told us to knock it off, and it stopped. And some of the other spirits they encountered were innocent. <clears throat> there was one investigation we went to. It was a little restaurant in town. It was called Eddie's. Just a little point place that had been there for for years and years, the 1800s anyways. We went in. Glenn had to leave halfway through. A couple of our teammates and me, we were there. And we could hear things. 
We had asked questions, the spirit box had come up back, and it seemed to be a little girl. Nothing happened, so we went upstairs and we sat in one of the booths. And we were sitting in the booth, and all of a sudden, through my hair, these hands went right up from my neck up to the top, and my friend across from me, she actually seen my hair go up. But Wendy wasn't prepared for what she saw next. We're just sitting there, of course, no cameras running. And all three of us sat there and watched this little girl with a little ponytail skip through the building. And we all just sat frozen. <laughs> Did you just catch something? And we're like, yes, okay. And we would always say it at the same time so that we wouldn't catch off of one another, you know? And we all went, the little girl with a ponytail? Yes. It was crazy. It was like, that was the one time I'd ever seen anything. So I guess one thing that I've taken from all this is um, I've definitely opened my eyes to things that I would never have believed in before. Uh, whether or not I even still believe in them, that's still up for, for debate. Uh, what's my explanation to what a ghost or something paranormal could be? I don't know. Nobody knows. When I let, when I find out, I'll let you know. But my own personal theory, and I very much could be wrong, is that our all of our thoughts and our memories are nothing more than electrical impulses. Basic high school science says energy never disappears. It just changes its state. So when you pass on, what happens to that energy? Is that an explanation? I don't know. But that's sort of my theory. And again, I could be wrong. But that's where I am with it. And I'm at peace with it. Why I keep doing this is just mine's more history. I just love the history. I love checking into things. I like finding out who was here, what they were doing, and why they were doing it. That's why I keep doing it, mostly for the history to find out what we've done. When I interviewed Glenn and Wendy for episode two, we did a spirit box session, and I got a hello from one of their resident ghosts. So for this interview, I asked if we could do another spirit box session remotely. And once again, I got another hello. But when they sent me the audio, I was able to listen to it closer, and I got a name. When I asked them about it, they said it was the last name of the people that used to own their home, which obviously I can't expose. Interesting things always happen when I chat with Glenn and Wendy, so it won't be the last time you hear from our friendly neighborhood ghost hunters. If you have a story you've been hiding, submit it to us at geistpodcast.com. Geist is written and directed by me, Daniel Matar. Original music and sounds by Bo Jensen. Geist branding is by Jake Brothers. Special thanks goes to Glenn and Wendy Laycock, Luis Dulacia, and Anna Doherty. Follow us on Instagram at geist underscore podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and rate Geist on Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for people to find us. We appreciate every listen that we get out there. Until next time, sleep tight.